What I want to talk to you about is the heartbeat of the house. And why do we do what we do? How I many you know sometimes it's good to know why you do what you do? And who are you doing it for? And see, I believe this is that there's a, a portion of Scripture. It's not, I want you to turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 4. But what I want to do is I just want to talk to you a little bit. I'm going to read a Scripture, then I'm going to get right into John 4. And it says in First Peter, it says this, We were not a people, we have become a people. We who were not a people have become a people. You know, church is like a family, and it's an army at the same time. And a family nurtures one another. Isn't it good when you have someone coming to church and just, you know, just someone love on you? And, I mean, Jordan came with me. He's at our, at our Jenny's campus. And we just, I was just talking to him. I was just trying to love on the brother this morning. And, you know, we're talking about different things that are, that are dear to his heart, dear to my heart. And we just kind of, and that's what church is all about. How many of you have ever just blown it? You remember when you were a kid and you were running and you... I mean, it happened to me and Luke last night. We were at the LSU game, and we were, we were getting over this, this rope. And I jumped over it, and he caught his foot on the rope and hit it. And it was in the busy, it was on Nicholson right there in the busy street. Bam! And he hits it, and he goes, I could see. And he's 13, and when you're 13 and you hurt your knee really bad, you don't want to cry because that's not cool. Especially when you got LSU gear on. You know? And, 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 and it's like, and I could see him, and I'm already across, and, and I'm like, I'm just waiting. And I can see on his face just pain. And, and I'm like, I'm all across the street. And I'm going, Daddy. And he's like. <laughs> and I get over there and he goes, I go, son, are you okay? He goes, and he was like, Dad, I tripped over the rope. And you didn't even wait for me. You just crossed the street. <laughs> and I said, son, I didn't see you, but I'm here. I waited for you. You know, and that's what church is all about. When you fall and you stumble your knee on your knee or you get hurt or you go through disappointments or some kind of pain, that, that people there can love you and help you and direct you to the place you need to be. Amen? And see, and, and that's what a family does. An army advances the kingdom, like when the, when the flood happened. Listen, this community could not be the community has and being able to have the things that happen in this community if the church wouldn't rise up to serve the community. What would the community... Come on, give yourself a hand. And so great faith is a product of a lot of great fights. How many of you have been in a few fights in your life? Come on. You remember when you were in fights? I read a story about a guy who was in second grade, third grader, told him, he said, hey, he said, let me ask you a question. He goes, this is what he said. He said, are you gay? And this is like in the 70s, it goes. And he said, but you better tell me, because if you don't tell me, I'm going to punch you out. And he goes, I don't even know. He goes, I'll find out. I'll go ask my mom if I'm gay. And he goes, the guy goes, okay. So he went home. He goes, mom. And he says, my mom told me all the time to tell the truth. And he goes, he goes, mom, am I gay? And she goes, what does gay mean? And she goes, it means happy. He goes, okay. He thought, I'm happy. The next day he goes to church and the kid goes, are you gay? My mom told me yes, because I'm happy. And he punched him. He went to his daddy, came back home with a big old shiner. His mom freaked out. His daddy saw it. They created a UFC gym in his garage. And he says, son, this is what you do. This is what you do. When someone hits you, you don't just stick back. You got to learn to fight back. And so he's like showing him the moves. You know, daddies, come on. I remember my grandpa said, boy, if a boy ever hits you, he said, the one thing you do, you just punch him in the nose. They don't know what to do. 
I'm not teaching people how to fight. But what I am telling you is that he, what happened a couple of days later, he comes after the weekend. He's all pumped up. He's been trained by his daddy, everything. He knows the move. And so the guy goes, he goes, he goes, he goes I'm going to beat you up every day. And so he's thinking, man, I'm just, today's the day. And the guy goes to go tell him, you know, again, and he grabs the guy on the shirt. And the guy, he says, when you're in second grade and you have to face a third grader, that's scary. He said, I grabbed his lapel on his shirt and I went like this. And he said, you better stop leaving me alone. He said, the kid became my best friend after that. And can I tell you something? Great faith happens with great fights. And some of us, you know, you just got to learn to fight. And some of us get to the place where we just begin, we give up. And I just want to, you know, great testimonies are outcomes of great tests. A testimony just means a story of a test that I face. How many ever gone through tests in your faith? How many ever just given up? Like, that's it. I ain't given. I mean, you know, God, you didn't help me with this. You didn't help me with the job, my finances. Lord, I'm, I'm out of here. And then you realize that when you do that, you realize, you know what? You're forsaken the very person that can help you. And great triumphs come only out of great trials. How many of you been through a trial? How many of you been through a trial this week? How many of this week you got mad at somebody? Come on, let's, let's be real in the church. How many of this week you really like, you said, Pastor, I don't want to admit it, but I want to cut someone out. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just, I mean, you just don't know. See, but from day one, as this church, we wanted to model a church for after the heart of Jesus. That's what our heart is. That's what our heartbeat is. None of us have, have seen God, but we're attracted to him. Amen? Why? Because we have seen and experienced God's heart. You see, let, let me just share you. In John chapter 4, I'm going to go to there. Jesus was in the south of Israel, and I'm going to kind of lay the... The foundation of the story. And you're going to know the story. Then I'm going to read a couple of verses out of it. And kind of get through, through there. And he says. Of south of Israel called Judea. Judah, Judea. And what happened is. On his way north to Galilee. It's the fastest way to Galilee. You had to go through Samaria. And you say. What is, what's the big deal? Well. Jews never traveled through Samaria. They only went around it. Why? Because Jews and Samaritans didn't hang out together. It's like Boudreaux and Thibodeaux, we don't do it. He's from the other side of the Nempeke, so we don't mess with them. His daddy did this to us years ago, and we don't. We, we. Come on, how many have family reunions? You go, man, I'm glad they don't happen very often. <laughs> and what happens is, is that what, what happens is, three day, it's three days quicker to go through Samaria. And I believe that God wants to do a quick work in all of us many times in our lives. And God, in order for to do a quick work, he's got to go through some things and get to some things in our own hearts. And see, what happens is, but the heart of Jesus, we see he goes through Samaria, not around it. So he would find this woman at a well, and you know, the and, and what happened is he sees this woman at the well. His disciples decided, hey, it's time for lunch because it's around noon. And if you're going to go get water at, at, at the well, at the hot of the day, at the heat of the day, it's between 12, between 12, 2 o'clock, whatever. That's the heat of the day. And here's this woman getting water at the heat of the day instead of going early in the morning or late in the afternoon in the cool of the day. And he asked the woman for a cup of water. And she's just kind of like blown away. He's, he's talking to her. He tells her that he, and, 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 and then the story he's going to tell her he's the Messiah that everyone has, has been waiting on. She runs back and she goes to the city and she tells everyone 
to come meet this Jesus. So what I want to do, the first point I want to talk to you about this morning is what is the heart of the house? Number one is to reach people. What do you mean? How many of you know there's, there, there's going to be only one heaven when we get to heaven? How many of you confused? How many of you know there's only going to be one heaven? If you're called to worship God together in heaven, why can't we model a little bit of that right here on earth? Martin Luther King Jr. said this at at 11 a.m. on Sunday morning is the most segregated day of the week. You see, by the blood of Jesus, he's made us one. It don't matter what color skin you got on the outside. It don't matter. You know, there's going to be black, white, Chinese people in heaven. Hello. And you know, we all going to be tall and we're all going to be the body that we always wanted to have. Come on. We're not going to be good. And, you know, I'm going to be six, five. Jamie's going to have hair. He got a ponytail. You know, he going to be one of them kind of ponytail with a little ponytail on his beard. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. I'm messing with you, man of God. I, just, I hadn't seen you sweat like that a long time playing that piano. You know, Pastor Jamie used to play piano for us when we started the church years ago. He's actually a good piano player. He really is. And see, so we focus on, see, what happens is we know this, is that we must focus on the familiar and not the foreign. What do you mean? The Samaritans were half Jewish and they were half Assyrian. And what happened, Samaritans were barred from going to Jerusalem to worship in the temple. How many of you have more than one child and you're raising that? How many of you have more than one child? How many of you know that if you have more than one child, they have different personalities? They come from the same parents, same, all that, but they're just different. Come on. I got some that are loud and proud and I got others that are quiet and sneaky. It's the truth. I told one of them one time, I said, listen, man, you know, you can blame me for all your wounds and your hurts in your life. But let me tell you something. Me and your mom, we did our best. And you know what? When you leave the house, you pay for your own counseling. Because I ain't paying for it anymore. Because you do your best. Even when you do your best, kids still, come on. And so what happens is, here's this woman... And they, you know, the woman is, was surprised. Let's go chapter 4, verse 9. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? And read between the lines what she's really saying. Ask no favors from Samaritans, especially the Jews. Don't you ask me for a favor. Jesus focused on on the familiar, not the farm, because everyone has something to offer. How many of you know that every one of you have something to offer here? But here's what the enemy goes. You ain't got nothing to offer. Just look at you. You saw yourself in the mirror. Who are you? You can't do this. You can't do that. Quit comparing yourself to other people and let God tell you who you are instead of letting your feelings and what you walk through tell you who you are. I believe this. When you get in the presence of God, he begins to give you purpose for your life. Not only purpose for your life, he begins to tell you how he thinks about you. He just does. You see, Jesus compares the church to a body. We need hands, eyes, feet, and a head. Jesus bridges every divide. Racial divide, age divide, gender divide, and class 
You know, I've been, I just finished a book this past week and it says how to reach millennials. And I began to read and I began to learn about what, how millennial people think. And how my generation, we saw black and white. Millennials don't see that way. They just don't see that. They think if you're black and white, you're judgmental. And so I've, I've, I was realizing, you know, why me and my son sometimes we talk about different things and what they believe and what they think. But what they really want, I found out millennials are very loyal. They're very open. They're very real. Because they've seen 9-11. They've seen all kinds of different things happen. And so they just want what's real. Are you hearing me? And if we don't offer it in the church being transparent and real, and you know what? What happened? We're going to lose a whole generation. And my greatest desire is that God give me this generation. I believe this is the greatest generation on the face of the earth. Amen? It is. That's, it's ever been recorded because I believe that Jesus is so Jesus wants to bridge those things. The second thing is that God wants to do and the heartbeat of our house is this to build families. What does that mean? A healthy family is priceless. What is the enemy going after the family? He goes after marriage. Come on. Why does he go after marriage? Because he knows that's the institution that everything's found. If, if, if mom and dad have a problem, the kids are going to get, if their marriage is messed up, the kids may get messed up. And they'll start looking at other things. They can't find nurture from mom and dad. They'll go find nurture and love somewhere else. And sometimes in all the wrong places. I come from a broken home. I come from a his, mine, and ours situation when my mom got remarried. And I can go down. And my greatest desire is that, God, I don't want to go through the, I don't want my kids to go through the pain that I went through at 10 years old. Now, sometimes you can't, before you knew the Lord, there's things that you just do because it's your nature. And so if you blew it, I'm not here to go, hey, hey, you know what? All of us got a history. Come on. But that's not where you stay. That's not where you stay. That's not your that's not what God has as far as a purpose. See, I believe that to be a pastor, you hear about, you know, to be a pastor, you hear a lot about people's pain. Most people's pain come from family. What do you mean by that, Pastor? See, John says it like this. John said, you're right. You don't have a husband, but you have had five husbands. Like, dang. And aren't, aren't and you, the one you're, he said, you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly speak the truth. I remember, I mean, you read on, she goes, I perceive that you may be a prophet. Can you imagine someone just reading your mail? I mean, she literally got her mail. Right. Jesus is not pointing out her past. He's, you know what he's really doing? He's pointing out her pain. All of us have, all of us have places in our lives where all of a sudden you, you know, you can, you can feel it. It's kind of like this: if you ever scrape, scraped yourself, and someone just rubs on that, and you go, "Dang, that hurts!" Why are you rubbing my bobo? And what happens? The same way with us. God wants to come instead of allowing us to be able to rub that pain. Is we give that pain to Him. And all of a sudden, he pours his oil in that pain. And I don't know where your pain came from. It could be some, someone you trusted, something that happened. I don't know. But God wants, see, he, he knew her pain and where she had been. God knows your pain and he knows where you've been. Shame and pain is the avenue the enemy uses to cripple us and to weaken us. It really is. This woman was carrying around this stuff. 
And that's why she was getting water because she had a reputation. How many of you know sometimes you can get a reputation? And I'm not talking about she had so many husbands. I'm just talking about your reputation. You know, that people go, oh, here comes a liar. You don't call him that. Hey, Joe. But you're going, yeah. <laughs> here comes the guy. Brother, you better hold on to everything in your wallet and your, hide your purse because we know. When it's, it's just that reputation. And she had a reputation. Jesus knows her past, but he knows our pain. See, the gospel in our church exists to help broken families to be re, to rebuild broken homes to bring broken families that's what we our desire is see we want to help people who have no families find a family you can't pick the family you were born into but you can pick the spiritual family that you walk with when i was a kid i mean my mom looked at me one time and she said i was a mistake you know what I wanted to tell her? Mama, you must make mistake because I wanted, to be, I wanted to be born to that nice rich lady on the corner that's really nice. I never told her that. But I, that was a pain in me. Like, you're a mistake. You're just a mistake. My parents got married because my mom got pregnant for me. And back in, in the... I was born in 1959, so that just ages me a little bit. And back then, you just didn't get pregnant. I mean, they had a shotgun wedding. They just say, uh, you're just doing it. And what happens is, see, when, when something is broken, it's hard to function right. Are you hearing me? Because you always go back to that thing. Right when you're about to get freedom in God, it's always that thing. Have you ever broke a bone in your body? Come on, how many, you know what, if you had, you might need, no, I'm not going to pray. But when you break a bone in your body, everything in your body goes to that pain. Are you hearing me? I mean, several years ago, I was running and I was running, I run every morning and I'm starting to just start to get back into it, but I was running 4.2 miles every day. And I was running one morning, it was dark, and in Jenny's, they have these sidewalks and they have these big live oak trees on one of the main streets that's really pretty. And I was, I was running there, all of a sudden, you know, like the, the roots from the, the trees had made the sidewalks come up. And so one morning I'm running, and as I'm running, I hit that thing, and I was trying to balance myself, you know, on a fall, look graceful on a fall. But ha- when you fall, it just doesn't look good. Doesn't matter how you fall. But I remember I just fell, and when I did, I broke a bone in my, th- my, my little finger right here, and I broke my ribs. I mean, bang! And it was early enough where you could see, but it was kind of still a little darkish. And they had someone else running down this way. And I saw a car come up, coming. So guess what I do? I just kind of like the pride of Pastor Bubba. I'm going to give you my sin. I get up and I'm like, oh, dang. And I'm like, I got to run. <laughs> and I'm like in pain. But someone's coming and I don't want them to know I got pain. Hello, anybody know what I'm talking about? Because pride, listen to me, pride will make you try to, to walk through the pain rather than resolve it. Because everything in my body was going, when I was a kid, your mama going, let me blow on it, honey. That was my grandma. My mama would pull out the monkey, the monkey blood. Macaricone, remember that? With the little shake. No, mama, not the monkey blood. And, you know, it burned, you know. And I mean, I'm like, I'm running and all of a sudden I'm like, the person passed me and go, I'm going home. I'm going to see Tracy. You know what I mean? Tracy will love me. My wife. 
If you can live the rest of your life, you need to be healed by Jesus. Because he didn't want you around limping in pain. That's the heart of this house. How many families have been broken but are still limping through life? You see, my sister went to get some physical therapy. They broke her hip. She walked around crutches for three months. She had to go get surgery. They corrected it. And after they told her she wouldn't walk for six, six months, and she ended up walking after five days. Because she was so determined. I mean, she walked through this pain almost from May to August. I mean, that's not fun. On crutches, see, I I think about it. If families are unhealthy, then the church is unhealthy. See, the family is God's force on the earth. That's why. Why do you think the enemy's assaulting the family? Because he knows if it can be together, it can be his design. Who created family anyway? God did. Adam and Eve in the garden. Me, man, me name everyone. You know how a woman got her name? God put him to sleep, took a rib out of him. We know that it wasn't from his head. It wasn't from his foot that he could walk on her. He took a, he took a rib because that's the closest place to his heart. And when he woke up, you know how a woman got her name? He went, whoa, man. That's, her, that's how she got her name. And he said, yeah, don't, 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 don't roll your eyes on that. <laughs> but what happens is, if you want your marriage to be where God wants your marriage to be, you got to put your wife and your husband to the closest place to your heart. You share your pain. You share your struggles. You share your heart. You pray for one another. You encourage one another. Because can I tell you something? The enemy fears spirit-filled, God-fearing, Bible-believing families that build their lives on Jesus. See, part-time Christians can't defeat full-time devils. Just can't. We don't build our families on the culture or what the culture says of the world. We build on the convictions of what the Word of God says. This book right here was written over 2,000 years ago, but it applies to finances. It applies to family. It applies to how to be a good man, how to have character, how to be a good wife, how to be a good child to your parents, how to be thankful, how to be grateful, how, to, how you can fall into different kind of things and what you can do to see redemption come back into your life. It shows you the, the plan of hope that every one of us, we may fall short of many things in our lives, but if we come to God, He comes and redeems us and, and sets us free and we become His child. What parent doesn't love their child? See, doubt is easy, but conviction requires courage. Can you imagine what our communities would look like if every husband loved his wife and laid down his life as Christ laid down his life for the church? Whatever marriage would look like if every woman would be committed and submitted to their husband, if children obeyed and honored their parents... And God, a healthy church should be model, a model of a healthy family. That's what it should be. When people walk in, you should, that doesn't mean, listen, that means that when you come to church, you might not be healthy, but you're on the way saying, all right, I want to learn to be healthy. I want to learn to be. Hello. And as, as, as listen, as, as, as a body of Christ, all we want to do is like sometimes you can't read everything in here. You might walk in and go, I don't know the Gospels. I don't know the names of the Bible. But let me just say this. If you're here, we all have a beginning. 
It doesn't matter where you start the race or how you start the race. It's how you finish this race in life. That's what really matters. And for every one of us, you know, Timothy says, for if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? In other words, it's the validation to everything that lies in ministry, in your family. You can't, if you can't rule, lead, or direct your home in spiritual matters, then don't even try to oversee things in the church. That's why there's a greater responsibility on Pastor Jamie and, and Pastor Cheryl and the leaders in this church. There are to be examples. And I'll, let me tell you something. Pastor Jamie and Cheryl have awesome kids. Now, that doesn't mean their kids are perfect. I know their kids. They've slept at my house, eaten at my table. They're, actually, Anna's like my niece. She really is. Her and Olivia are like friends. They, she get to the house and they go, even you need girl stuff. They go to the room, lock themselves up in pink. I don't know. But I know them. I mean, Virginia couldn't be here because she's sick. I, I remember Virginia, the first time I remember, she was like eight and ten months old, something like that. First time I remember, and now to see her get up here, you know, as a, as a, as a, as, as her pastor, but as a spiritual father to Jamie, and to see his children love God, you know what that does to me? That's what, that's what, it, what family's all about. The third thing is we transform communities. What is it? This woman was needing water, but not just natural water. She was, she was needing living water. What does that mean? Bottled water and living water are essential. They're essential to transform communities. Who's thirsty in here? Anybody thirsty? Here you go. Catch that. There you go. Have a drink. Jesus fed 5,000 and 4,000 because he had compassion. But he realized that water and food can only go so far. When we were doing the Relief Center, people were given, we were given food, we were given water. And all of a sudden, because we were doing that, they had people come check us out. Man, if y'all giving things away and doing things like, we're just going to come check, we're going to see what kind of folk y'all are. And y'all didn't ask for money. Here's the thing. What happens is when you do that, see, look at John 4, 14. Says, but those who drink the water, I will give. He says, I give and will never, you'll never be thirsty again. It becomes a flesh and bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. God always gives bottled water in order to give living water. God meets the practical so it can meet the very thing that is spiritual inside of you. Does that make sense? See, transforming communities and making people rich where they're poor. It's if God be for you and he's your partner, you need to make big plans. Amen. You need to go to two services. See, Second Corinthians says it like this. It says, it says, you know, the gracious grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich. Listen to what it says. Yet for your sakes, he became poor so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. You know what God does in the spirit? He don't give you jingle jangle. He gives you folding money. He makes you rich in the kingdom. He just does. I want us to be a church that empties itself to those that are poor. What do you mean? Whatever, wherever God has made you rich, take what you have and don't keep it to yourself. What do you mean? Love, I mean, love flies out. The, listen, love flies out the window if you don't have pork chops on the, on the table. 
What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? This is what I mean. If you can tell me, I love you, man, God loves you. If you are not serving something good on the table of love that can practically feed them, hello, hello, come on. Then forget it. You see, if you're rich in your marriage, take your marriage and pour it into those that are struggling with marriage. That's what life groups are all about. We're taking people that maybe we have common struggles or, we, we, or someone. And I just want to help people become rich. If you're rich in your finances, take your finances and pour them into helping widows, orphans, the shut-in, the poor, the elderly, those that are in prison or in missions. Through Jesus' poverty, listen, he made you and me rich. My roommate that I ended up leading to the Lord years later, he just called me the other day. He said, Baba, it finally happened. I said, what's that? He said, they finally let me go at work. And he said, I'm so excited. You know why? Because he sold this business a year and a half ago for, I want to tell you exactly, but millions. Then he was getting a, a job that was close to a million a year, running another largest portion of the company and they graciously gave me a huge bonus he said i'm finally getting to do what i've always told you i was going to do i said what's that he said i'm gonna start carrying your bag and we're going to travel the world together he said next time you go to africa i'm paying for it i'm going to europe and albania in a couple of weeks and he's paying my trip he said bubba you know god's put things on your heart and i didn't listen he's my best friend from high school we know we used to (laughs) Now we serve the most high. Come on, somebody ought to get excited about Jesus in the house. There's a new sheriff in town. His name's Jesus. I knew that'd wake up some of you. What does that mean, daddy? We'll talk later. Don't lie. They may come and get a shiner. The last thing is make disciples. What is a disciple? Let me give you an example. I've heard all kinds of definitions. This is what a disciple means. Someone who has a personal and continual encounter with Jesus. It's kind of like the bread commercial. If it ain't fresh, it ain't worth it. I don't want someone to have some old dried out, boned out religion. I go to the first church of bitterness. I can tell. My pastor's named Pastor Disaster. I know he's been around a long time, you know. I made a commitment when I gave my life to Jesus that I didn't want to be religious. I just wanted to be real. I've even told people when someone's hanging, when they start hanging around person, I said, man, don't hang around that person. Why, pastor? They're just, they're religious. They know all the right things to say. But they don't, live, they don't back it up. Because this is what Jesus said. You'll know me, you're my disciples by your love for one another. That's what Jordan and I were talking about this morning on the way here. I said, you know what? Don't look for friends that will just kiss up to you. The Bible says better are the wounds of a friend than the kisses of an enemy. Quit hanging around people that suck up to you. And get around people that will tell you the truth about yourself and your marriage. I've looked at guys. Quit being mean to your wife. Who 
I'm being mean, my wife. You are. And quit taking her dates. McDonald's and Burger King is not a date. Come on, ladies. Y'all ought to get excited with me. Come on. This is what I tell God. Whatever you did to get her, you need to keep doing that to maintain keeping her. Listen, when I was dating my wife, I'd go into my savings account. I ain't kidding. You know what I'm saying? So why should that stop? You see... This is what it says. In the, let me get back right here. The woman said in verse 25, 26, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ, who comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus said to her, I am the Messiah. Bang. Our job as a church is to help people see and hear him for who he is. Are you hearing me? That's him. What made me come to know the Lord? I had a grandmother that loved me. She'd tell me the truth. I'd walk in at 3 o'clock before they had cell phones, and she'd she call. And like, literally, I'd walk into my apartment, and the phone would ring. It would be my grandmother. My God in heaven, where have you been? <laughs> well, not in heaven, Monini. She goes, the Holy Ghost woke me up. I've been praying for you. And I, she wasn't just praying for me. She was. She quoted scripture. Like, Help me sleep at night. Yeah, right. I'm just tormented, man. I can't believe it. And I can remember. Because she taught me when I was young. She said, baby, when you get afraid and you're fearful, plead the blood of Jesus. And I remember being lost, just laying on my bed. And I'd go, I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over my heart, over my mind. I played the blood. And I could feel God's presence, but I didn't know him. You know, there are two issues here in this story. And let me tell you what they are. The issues are that it's the woman's hardship, the hardship she had walked through, and the Lord's lordship in your life. Jesus wants us to choose him who he is, not just for what he does. What do you mean? There are a lot of people who choose to follow him only for what he does. When people get settled and comfortable, they tend to pay less attention to their maker and more attention to the things that he made. See, some people want to serve God because he's the God of a red Cadillac. Hello? Or he's the God of a Rolex. Those are all nice things and you can have them. God's not against those things. But when that becomes the obsession of your heart, that takes away the identity of who really God really is. Amen. God wants you to love him for who he is. Lord, he's the Lord. Who is? Who is our savior? See, he's the Lord. That's what he is. And he's our savior. That's what he's done. A real disciple loves him and follows him for who he is. John says it like this. One of my favorite. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? John 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? But yet you do not do what I say. I've heard a lot of people say this. I said, Pastor, I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to do everything I'm supposed to do. And I was talking to a guy yes, uh, two days ago after we went to, uh, duck hunting. 
I'm doing all this. God's not worried about all your sacrifices, buddy. What God wants more than anything is your obedience. Until you get to the point that you do the last thing God asks you to do, you'll never go further than what you want to, where you want to go and where God wants you. Does that make sense? How many you know you, how many you want to bless your children if you have children? But if they keep doing the same thing and not listening to you, do you want to bless them anymore? No, you got to look, I brought you in the world. I'm going to take you out. I remember one time my son, Nathan, who's my youngest, he's my fourth son, and he was about five years old. And he, he's the kind, he's persistent. Like you go, I go, what part of no don't you understand? That's the part, you know, like, and he goes, and he comes in one day, and my wife just has this dish she makes. And he goes, I'm not eating it. I said, buddy, you better eat it. My t- stomach tells me, it doesn't like it. <laughs> really? But you know, sometimes you got to apply the board of education to the seat of higher learning. <laughs> Hello? And I remember he kept being persistent. He wasn't going to eat it. He wasn't going to taste it. I, so I finally said, son, that's enough. You're not going to do that. I brought him to the room, explained to him why I was going to spank him. Because I told him if he didn't keep, he was going to have that attitude, didn't even try it, I was going to spank him. I brought him back, spanked him. He went there, ate it, and he goes, mm, this is good. Now he, he begs for my, his mom to make it now. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? John 4, verse 40 and 41, and I'm done. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in, the, in their village. So he stayed for two days. Long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. We follow Jesus not because he can help us with our hardships, but because he is our Lord. And you know what? When you love someone, you're motivated out of love to do something for them. Not because you have to. Come on, ladies, when your husband's been treating you right, you're going to cook his favorite meal. When he's treating you bad, you're like, he, can, he can go light his own cornflakes on fire if he wants a hot breakfast this morning. You know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all laughing. Y'all been thinking about it anyway. That's a good one, Pastor Bubba. Miss Tracy hadn't used that one on me, but listen to church. Is the vehicle that grows you and a belie- from a believer to a disciple. That's what the church does. That's what, this, that's what the gatherings do. It, ta- it, change, it takes you from being going, I believe in God. Now I'm going to follow him. And I'm going to do what he asked me to do because I found out what he's like. And I want to love him and I want to honor him. It's not because it's not about do's and don'ts. It's because you know them. You begin to have a relationship with them. And all of a sudden, your motivation is different. Hello. So the heartbeat of this house is to reach people. To build families, to transform communities, make disciples. And the last scripture I'm going to read and I'm done. It's one of my favorite from Philippians says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer 
and petition. With thanksgiving, this one it says, present your requests to God. And the peace of God. How many need some peace? It's a peacekeeper right here. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What does that mean, Pastor? That means whatever you're walking through at this very moment, it's not a surprise to God. And he knows what you need. The Bible says, even before you ask. But here's the thing. People go, does God know everything? How many of you believe he does? I believe to a certain degree. What do you mean, Pastor Baba? Because see, we're free moral agents. We have a choice. We're not robots. Where God goes, he presses a button. I love you, Lord. I love you. I love you. I love you. There's a choice. Are you hearing me? Just like your children. Come on. There's a choice. I love my son, Luke. He's my youngest son. And the other night, him and his mom, he was mom got on about something and he was mad at her. And she was like, no, you're going to. And I love his heart because he gets away. He's tender, tender hearted. And he went back and he goes, mom. I'm sorry. And he just began to share his heart. And my wife was able to share her heart. And you see, that's the whole, that's the gospel. Here I am, God. This is who I am. I know I need a change. But I can't do it by myself. I've tried. How many of you tried to make yourself better? How's that working out for you? But when you have the one that designed you and knows you and loves you, and you hand over the keys and go, God, here you go. Here's the keys. I give you the driver's seat and the steering wheel and the keys, the power to do it. God, do whatever you want to do in me. Amen.